0: Welcome, 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 239, uncensored everything, Southwest Florida and beyond. And we have just a great group of people today. They're from the Children's Advocacy Center in of Collier County. And they do a lot. And welcome everybody. We've got Jackie, Larry, Zoe. You guys having fun in the studio? What do you think about this place?
1: This is amazing.
2: Great. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Thanks
0: for having us. Yes. Oh, we're we're just super excited. And you guys do a lot in the community. A little bit about what we're we're gonna talk about today. we we know that April was uh, Child um, Abuse Prevention Month. We missed it by a couple days, but in my opinion, every month should be Child Abuse Prevention Month. So I, I think you guys all agree, and that's what you your calling has been for all these years. And you know, ultimately, our kids are the most precious uh, resource and commodity, I guess, if you would say that we we have. And and Jackie, just give us a little rundown of what you guys do at the Children's Advocacy Center.
3: Well, we have been in Collier County since 1986, so we've really been here a very long time. And our first program and primary program is our child protection team. And they provide the forensic interview of child abuse victims, the forensic medical exam, kind of help to coordinate uh, what's going on in the investigation. And then from there, we've kind of grown our programs. We have advocates. Uh, we have a mental health program. We have a family safety program and uh, parenting education. So we do it uh, uh, for parents who have abuse their children and, and before part of their case plan before they're re- reunited. They have to go through this uh, very intensive program. Um, and we also provide uh, resources and community education to for the general public. So.
0: Yeah, so that's a lot of things you guys... Or do yes. I mean it's, it's amazing <laughs> so a little bit of background on myself for those you don't know I think most of you do maybe the ones that listen to me I was in law enforcement for 31 years I just recently retired and one of my jobs I actually worked in the schools I was a youth relations and I actually had several child abuse cases come in front of me and a lot of people think that the law enforcement officers do the case totally from start to finish well, that's not the case. Usually what we do as law enforcement officers, we get some initial information. We don't go in depth and discuss the incidents with these kids. We usually hand them over to professionals like Jackie, Zoe, and Larry. And I know Dale Lively has been around forever. Uh, they do wonderful job. Dale, no, uh, you know, no bad thing on that one. I just wanted to throw <laughs> your name in there because you're Shout very important. Shout out to Dale. And, you know... You guys are professionals, and you talk to these kids. Give us a little rundown on how that works, um, either either of you folks.
3: Well, with the forensic interview, um, and actually, back up a little bit. Uh, Children's Advocacy Center really it, it, the concept is to reduce the trauma you know uh, that the children may experience as a result, even of the investigation, because there's already been trauma in their lives, and so uh, we want to do a very good job, professional. Um, you know, to to get that information, to find out what is going on in that child's life, you know, in their words. And, um, you know, and then are they safe? Is there abuse, is there not abuse? And then we're gonna work with the Department of Children and Families and with uh, law enforcement, with the detective who's assigned to the case. And so when we do a forensic interview, It's very, very specific and very um, fact-finding objective because it's, you know, there's a lot at stake. There could be a crime that's been committed and law enforcement may need to take that information on to complete their investigation to see what what has happened and, um, you know, if there has been a crime. So we also, with Department of Children and Family, they have to make sure that that child's in a safe environment. So we bring everybody together to find out what has happened and then Keep that child safe initially, immediately, and then also looking at the long term safety of that child.
2: So, and I and I think that one of the, our our roles too is that our agency minimizes the amount of times that a child has to talk about the trauma, and so those agencies will bring the child to our agency so that the child is spoken to one time, and that we can get all the information that day, so they don't have to keep on reliving what happened to them time and time again. So, and
0: yeah. right, I know that. In law enforcement, we just get some basic information and, we again, we turn it over to the professionals Mm -hmm. because that limited number of questioning, Mm -hmm. times that they have to go through it because ultimately when you're asking those questions, it's pulling information, it's bringing the memories back, the bad things that have happened or potentially have happened. So that's definitely big. And it has to be done, I think, by the right people. Mm -hmm. And, And you guys have obviously been here for a long time. And you're the ones that need to be doing it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like we're the hub. You know, often you see the police officers, the investigators, everybody at our office, and we work in as a team. And kind of like Children's Advocacy Center, I think of it as kind of like the hub of the the whole situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. And to have that place and such a progressive place to be able to do that in our county is just uh, true. It's just truly amazing that you know that we do. We have that here and you guys are able to do that um let me ask you a little bit about uh zo in the community what do we do about bringing this stuff to light and and again like you we talked about this morning a lot of people don't even realize that you guys are here and what you do what do you what are some things you do in the community to educate
1: so there's several things we do and we have been doing for years Um, Since the pandemic, it's been a little harder to be able to go out and do outreach. But right now, currently, I am trained in several different programs, one being a darkness to light, which is a prevention to child sexual abuse. So it's a training I do. I actually trained all of the guidance counselors in Collier County two years ago in this program. And it's just really an overview of what you can do to protect your children. Common sense things to why is your child left alone with a coach? You know, that shouldn't be happening at this time of in society right now um, because it's known 90% of children that have been sexually abused know the person. And so scary being a pandemic, everybody's home. We've got a lot of work to do because there's a lot that's been happening. So I have now been able to go again into the schools. I actually just did a training last week in Immokalee for Darkness to Light, and that's one piece of it. Also, we do general prevention, what to look for, daycare workers, you know, when they're working with kids every day, you know, they might ask, why is this little kid not want to go home? Well, there could be plenty of reasons why and what to look for, what, um, some things just to help them because nobody wants to say, I think this child's been abused, but if they do, they need to be equipped of what to ask, not to ask too much, not to ask not enough, not to be nervous because if it's wrong, they're going to get in trouble. So all that stuff I'm out in the community trying to help provide.
0: Yeah, and that's big. And then uh, j- just looking on your website, you actually have helped over 2,500 children in you know the last year in our community. And a lot of people think Naples, like Naples. Nothing like that could ever happen in Naples. And we, you know, it's kind of like a paradise, right? So give us a little background on, you know, the makeup of the kids that we have in Collier County and a little rundown of like those 2,500 kids are all potential victims.
2: Well, first of all, Tim, you had a good point. Earlier you said like a lot of people don't even know that we're here. And a lot of people don't even want to know that we're here. Cause right. like you said, this is like mm-hmm. a paradise here. So you, and that's one of to backtrack a little bit. In April, we went to the Naples pier and did a pinwheels for prevention program where we put pinwheels in the sand right at the Naples Pier to kind of spread awareness that even in this community there is child abuse. And so you're coming from all over the world, spending time on Naples beaches, and you're realizing that just just down the street, you know, kids are being interviewed for you know the worst things happening to them in their lives. And so you know the breakdown of who we see is is from Amakle to Port Royal and in everything in between. And so it really doesn't have any economic or social, um, you know, background to it. You know, and any kid is can be a vulnerable child in this community. And um, especially with everything going on, with the limited amount of people or kids uh, being seen by teachers or out in the community, it, it seemed like things got a little bit worse, you know, for a lot of, a lot of families during this time.
3: And we, right. saw, we saw a huge increase in Internet type of crimes mm-hmm. against children, child pornography or... Um, child exploitation through the internet this over the last year
0: or so do you do you think like that people are spending a lot more time at their house behind the computers yeah. that type of thing you think that obviously with the pandemic yeah, that they're, plays they're, a major role into it yeah, yeah.
2: they're cooped up and yes. they they have to you know they have these needs or whatever they they have and and you know their perpetrators and then now they're stuck in their house and so this is the easiest way for them to get to a child Um, And then on top of that, you have children who are basically trapped in their homes with their perpetrators as well, um, being abused and and just not visible in the community. And so, you know, we have a year of our lives that a lot of kids have probably been in the worst situations and they didn't even have really access to a teacher or someone else to to really talk to um, or, or tell about what was happening at home.
3: And yeah. I think it was also exacerbated by, you know, what, particularly the internet type of crimes against children exploitation where, you know, the parents are at home, they're working, and they're focused on their tablet or their computer. The kids have their face and their tablet and their computer, so there's not necessarily a lot of communication going on between the child and the parent. Uh, children are a lot more tech savvy than a lot of parents are also. And um, so I think that led to it. And one other thing that, it, this is just sort of anecdotal, but um, I was in a meeting recently, and we were looking at child drownings and near drownings, and those have increased this last year significantly from the, the, from prior years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of supervision, and, you know, kids are at home, they're not in school.
1: Unsupervised.
3: Um, they're unsupervised, exactly.
1: And also, besides even um, the Internet, also alcohol sales, you know, have never seen such a big increase. And with that, you know we know what happens, and then also domestic violence, you know, as far as that has increased so much. So even besides the internet and the sexual abuse cases, there's just an overall rise in, in all of the abuses.
0: Yeah, I think anytime you have people that are contained, like you said, Larry, and they're at home, they can't tell people, and people, obviously, you know, kids in general, they don't get the chance or opportunity to go to school and maybe let somebody know or let those you know let those things. Because I know working in the schools, I worked there for five years at Naples High School, and I had probably I would say ten to fifteen to twenty major incidents where kids were getting abused, and they would come tell me. Yeah. And if they're if they don't have the outlet to tell somebody, then obviously that goes without being said for a while until it all surfaces.
2: Is that? It- it's a you
1: perfect. Oh, sorry.
2: like this. It's a perfect breeding yeah.
1: ground for mm-hmm. someone that wants to abuse a child. I mean, it really is the perfect scenario for them.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: And like you said, uh, when you were in the school, kids would come up to you and, and tell you about things that happened to them. But also, when you're when they're at school, you probably walk down the hallway and could tell, hey, I know this kid. Something's something's up. Even if they didn't have to tell you or didn't tell you, uh, you knew that there was something different going on, and you could, you know you know, help that child out, but that wasn't happening, so.
0: Yeah, I know. I remember, you know, you could, you working in a school, believe it or not, you got 2,500 kids when I was at Naples, you know, toward the end, 2,500 kids, but you get to know those kids. They have a lot of trust. They have a lot of faith in you that if they come to you, something's going to be done. Now, you always have the kid that come up and say, if I tell you something, don't tell, uh, don't tell anybody. like, yeah. no, no, we can't do that. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, But you want that, you know, that trust and you know, having those kids come forward when I was there, it was a really good feeling knowing that I would help them out. Yeah. We have had some situations with child abuse with different cultures. And in that culture, they often thought it was it was okay or appropriate. So I had to speak with the parents, we had to talk, and I'm sure that happens here quite frequently. We have cultures from all over here in Collier County.
2: So and that's why we do our parenting classes too. We not only um do we have the court ordered parenting classes, but also we have voluntary parenting classes within our community? Again, with everything going on, it wasn't as uh, we couldn't do as much in the last year. But typically, throughout the year, at different locations around Collier County, we'll have a parenting class that anyone can go to. They actually have, I believe, they have childcare sometimes, and they the dinner, like pizza or what or whatnot. And so, a parent who wants to learn different tips on how they can be a better parent, a more nurturing parent, they could come to you know. Golden Gate High School wherever it was, and they can um, you know take about nine weeks of parenting and and hopefully not be in this position and learn what they can do better at home to not put themselves in a, in a in a bad position or just to better, you know, raise their kids. So.
3: And I think earlier when you were talking about at, at the high school when a kid would come up and talk to you and they felt comfortable, you know, talking to you about what was going on in their lives, I think that's part of what we try to do in our agency too. So the, when they walk in the door, it's, you know, child-friendly for girls, boys, little kids, teenagers, and I think that a lot of the kids – um, you know, our advocates and the people who greet them uh, really care deeply about these kids and what we're doing about and about helping them through this time in their lives. And I think kids feel that way and know that. And so even though it's it's difficult to go in for a medical exam or forensic interview, I think when you have like Larry and, and the other advocates there that, um, you know, they're, they screen for trauma, they listen, they talk, the forensic interviewers are you know, very um, calm, caring people as well. And so do you want to kind of... Because yeah. I think there's a lot of successes we have. I mean, it's you know, we listen to this, and it's like, well, this is... It's it's depressing or...
0: Overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah, right.
3: But we do see a lot of success and accomplishments yeah. with our kids, and
2: so... Well, like as Jackie was saying, like we screen for trauma. And this is something that we've been doing for a while um, and that, you know, a lot of agencies don't do. And with especially with everything going on, the mental health issues that have been going on uh, in this country too for, you know, with, every, with COVID and, and whatnot and being stuck at home and people losing their jobs and being abused and, and whatever it was, um, especially, and it exacerbates when a child is a victim of a crime or a victim of sexual abuse or physical abuse that they had these other mental health issues. So we, ch- we, you know, assess for trauma and we find that a lot of these kids have, you know, thoughts of self-harm and have attempted suicide and things like that where we can now intervene and make sure that they get immediate mental health care or you know, get referred to where they need to be. Um, and so again, if we didn't see these kids, who knows what would be happening at home with these kids. So um, this is just another tool that we have so that we can uh, just better assess the suicidality of the kids, their mental health, and get them the services that they need.
0: I've seen that you have over 125 cases prosecuted in Collier County and can give me a little idea of how you work with other groups, other agencies like the sheriff's office and state prosecutor, how do you work and how does that kind of process work?
3: Well, for starters, we have a joint uh, protocol between all of us, and so uh, that outlines our roles and our responsibilities of those of us who are supposed to, or involved in the investigation of abuse. So we work very closely with the Sheriff's Department, Department of Children and Families, the State Attorney's Office. We have a weekly meeting uh, to review cases together so that we're all communicating. And it's, you know, we operate on a multidisciplinary team uh, approach, and that way we we all have different perspectives we come from different backgrounds but we do have different responsibilities but the bottom line is our mission is the boss and so that's taking care of kids and so we're very committed in this community i'm i'm i think we're really fortunate to live in this community because Everybody does work very well together, of course there's ups, ups and downs, but um, really I think everybody, the, the best interest is in the child, so we there's a lot of communication, a lot of teamwork. So
1: Absolutely, and also I was going to say, just two nights ago, woke up to an email the next morning of pediatric nurses that are looking for us to come train what they can do for a child that's being traumatized in the emergency room or in their office. So. A lot of people come to us to see, you know, what else we can help with. Besides, again, the child protection team, that outreach piece is crucial because, unfortunately, it's not going away. And as long as Jackie's been at the agency, Larry, all of us have been around for a long time, unfortunately, we're seeing children that many years ago that are now parents Mm -hmm. that are now coming back to our agency, and that's got to stop at some point. And so improving the lives of abused children is is helping them not to then abuse their own children. And that's a big piece. Parenting is a huge piece, too, because we're trying to teach them you cannot do this to your child if you want to keep your child. And unfortunately, sometimes parents don't have you know the education. They were abused as children, and that's all they know. So that piece of educating them you know, they want to keep their parents, they want to keep their kids. It's not like most parents are saying they don't want them. So it's an it's so crucial that we're educating them and we're giving them all the resources they can to be able to better take care of their children so we don't see them as
0: adults with their children. Yeah, no that's all good good points. Let me ask you this I'm sure the listeners want to know when you have a real young child and they've been a victim of child abuse, whether it be physical, sexual, however how do you interview? Give me give me a little idea of how that that works. Obviously, age is a huge thing, right? So you know, without giving out a whole bunch of information, but obviously, age appropriateness and things like that. How does that work?
3: Well, pretty much, um, kids, children under the age of three are very. You really can't really do a forensic interview because of the verbal skills, but um, and we have to l- uh, learn a lot about children's memory and. Um, get on how they process information and so forth but we do uh, probably three and up we can do an interview with Um, our forensic interviewers have to go through extensive training before they're even allowed to do an interview so uh, they have to be very fact-finding objective they can't um, ask leading types of questions so that it's very um, um, precise and uh, it's very kind of laid out so that you know they're not leading and they're just you know Fat, like I said, fact finding, um, and the the thing is too, it, it, certain crimes against children. You know, a child under the age of twelve, if it's sexual abuse, particularly, can actually ser- carry a life sentence for a defendant if they're found guilty of that. So, right. um, it's it's a big deal. So our gold standard really has to be when we're doing a forensic interview that that's that gold standard that we know that if this child discloses something that happened, and you know this this person is arrested, we have to be, we want to make sure we're right and responsible, Um, and also this defense attorney is going to do everything they can to discredit that interview of that young child or our interviewer. So it's very detailed and, again, objective and fact-finding because um, that gold standard is we're looking at a defendant who could potentially spend life in in prison. Um, I've been doing this a really long time. I hate to say how long, but back in the a long time ago, life sentence meant 17 to 25 years. Nowadays, life is life. So that's a big responsibility.
1: So Jackie, maybe besides the forensic interview, talk about the other side, the medical piece.
3: Right, so we also have to, you know, um, so it's not, it can't just be a child's word. There has to be um, evidence that corroborates, and so it may be through the medical exam, through a a medical evaluation, forensic um, evaluation, where we may gather uh, DNA or have to do you know a kit or something. Um, but also law enforcement uh, will take that information that that child says, and then their responsibility is they're going to go and do that investigation on the crime scene, whether if the child says, you know, describes something in the house or a bed or something or the car so that they get the appropriate, you know, that, that kind of guides the detective to gather the evidence and see, you know, what if, to corroborate what that child's statement is so
1: and again because of our office we have the medical room right in our office so a right. child can do everything right in our office again so they're not then having to go to a doctor's office they can do the medical exam right at the children's advocacy center
0: yeah and that's amazing with that cooperation and i'm looking here is like 87 percent of the cases that go to trial and in convictions in part because of the great collaboration and great relationships we have with all these different partners Mm -hmm. and i think that's huge because ultimately if you mess up just a little little bit and as you mentioned defense attorney's going to come in they're going to find that error and they're going to attack that error and then it's a victim that is now knowing that their perpetrator got off you know so it's and then that person's probably going to continue to do what they're Always have done probably
3: and these are really difficult crimes too because yeah. there aren't a lot of uh, there are no witnesses It's a, a young child's word against an adult um, Just uh, again not a lot of witnesses evidence is difficult. So, uh, you know, it's uh, very challenging
2: and, and sometimes these take years uh, where you have a child like say abused at nine now going to court at 12 they're a completely different child now too and and a lot of different life experiences at that time, and to remember and to recall those things back when they were nine years old or, or whatever is another challenge. And we do have a court advocate that helps the families navigate the court system, uh, helps them get through the depositions and and prepare for trial and, and things like that. But uh, one great thing about our agency is that we we're with these families from you know the time that they need us till you know they're. You know they don't need us anymore. You know, we walk them through the whole process. Um, we provide, you know, mental health treatment for them again. We prepare them for these um, court hearings and, and whatnot just to make sure that, um, you know, they know that they have someone to support them.
1: And do you want to talk about um, Leslie and that department?
2: Well, yeah, we have our sexual abuse treatment program where we have therapists who again provide the mental health treatment for these kids. And so, basically, again, if this if these things take years to resolve you know the the most important thing is that that child receives mental health treatment immediately and so that they can start healing from the trauma that they've you know uh, that they've experienced in their lives so we have a great team of of therapists at our office and another great thing about our office too is that everything is under one roof uh, i say this a lot to people when they ask about our agency because you know we we don't have a big building right but everything we have so many Jackie was describing all the different departments that we have, and it's all around one hallway. And so whatever happens in child protection team, can be, the advocates will know about it, and we can pass that on to our, therap- uh, our therapists. We see these families in parenting. We see them in our family safety program, and we can all talk to each, one another to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we know what the needs of the family are so that we can best uh, care for them.
0: My apologies. We're going to be switching over to Facebook Live audio, so it's going to sound just a little bit different. Yeah, why don't you give us a little bit of rundown on how the um, Child Advocacy Center is funded and the whole programs and that type of thing, Jackie?
3: Uh, well, we have a variety of sources of funding, um, but we are an independent nonprofit organization, so we really are dependent on our community and individual supporters and funders to um, help us with our mission. Uh, we are also funded by the, the Naples Children Education Foundation, also known as the Lair Wine Festival. They've been very Great. generous and supportive. Wonderful group. Um, we are we have a, a, a grant from the Attorney General's Office through the Victims of Crime Act. Uh, we have some state legislated dollars through the through the Florida Network of Children's Advocacy Centers, but um, you know a lot of what we depend on our individual supporters and donations and our special events. And of course this year our special events have been canceled because COVID. it's been really,
0: that's been really hard. Do you have anything so, planned coming up for special events at some point? Or we,
3: at we, we are looking into it. We have, we're, we're trying, we have a, each year we have the beach ball and it's a dinner. And it's on an auction and okay. we have a celebrity chef who's uh, working with us. And so we are looking at putting that again, again together for our 2022. I don't have a date on that yet, but we are, we're, we're hoping that we can pull this off again because we,
0: you know, it's very important to us to have this kind of support. And make sure you get with us because we'll definitely push it okay. out there and, you know, let everybody definitely. know. Yeah. So that's okay. good. Mm-hmm. And you guys are going to speak a little bit on some other things.
1: Yes. We were going to talk <laughs> about, you know, a lot of times we train people in the field. I actually have trained guardian items and, you know, just around teachers and guidance counselors, but... Anybody can be trained in prevention of child sexual abuse. And so it's something we can go into any community, couple hours, and you can learn what to do. You know, sometimes we just don't know what to do, so you do nothing. So there's a lot you can do. And so if anybody is interested out in the community, I've gone to HLA's before, I've gone to daycares, I've gone to, you know, moms groups. You can get trained in how you can help prevent child sexual abuse. And so just look on our website, which, Larry, if you want to talk about that?
2: If you want to learn more about how you can help, and about our programs, uh, go to caccollier.org. We also have a Facebook page, which is Children's Advocacy Collier. Uh, so there's a lot of Children's Advocacy Center Facebooks around the, the, the nation, so ours is uh, Children's Advocacy Center, no, Children's Advocacy <laughs> Collier. So please follow us on that, because so we'll have information about upcoming events, things that we're doing in the community. Um, you know, sometimes we reach out, and say. Uh, one of our things, whenever a child comes into our office uh, and are interviewed by our child protection team, they take they get a teddy bear to leave our stuffed animal when they leave the office. And uh, a lot of times, to show how busy we are and how much abuse there is in, this, in Collier County, we're always in need of more stuffed animals. In fact, we just recently ran out.
0: Um, so how do we get those stuffed animals to you guys? Yeah,
2: you know, we we're always looking for you know new stuffed animals. You can deliver them right to our office. Okay. And again, it's just like a, a something for comfort for a child who's just talked yeah. about their trauma that you know they can leave with a um, you know with a stuffed animal. I, I think it, it, it helps. It helps a lot. Believe me.
1: And, I would just add that we just did this, like Larry said. I put it in my um, HOA Facebook page, mm-hmm. looking for donations, and I brought in two huge stuffed, uh, stuffed um, garbage bags full of stuffed animals yeah. for the kids. But also, if you can't come to us, we'll come to you. We'll come pick up. I've actually picked up a ton of donations in Amherstley before, so we will come to you as well. Yeah. Um, we just any resources you have,
3: you know, we would love. We need. And one of the other things too are uh, clothing, children's clothing, but it has to be new clothing with tags on. Um, you know, because occasionally we'll have a child that something has happened and we have to take their clothes for evidence, right. and that's awful. And so you don't want to just send kids and use clothes home or, you know, gym shorts and a T-shirt. So um, we, we uh, you'll provide them with new clothing. Uh, or we might have a child that has to be removed from their home, placed in foster care, and really doesn't have a lot with them. And so we'll give them, you know, clothes, you know, a few outfits, some shoes, you know. So. And maybe a gift card if people do want to donate, right. you know, and Clothes or stuffed animals, gift cards as well. And we see kids of all ages. So a lot of times we get uh, clothing for small children, um, you know, little elementary school, but we see a lot of older kids, middle school, so high school, and so they have the needs too. So
0: outstanding, outstanding. Well, I got to thank you guys for everything you guys do in the community. I mean, it's a great group, great team. Also, we talk about the sheriff's office, the uh, prosecuting office, also. Attorney General's office, all those different things, everybody coming together. And like we said earlier, it's all about the kids. And I don't think there's anything more uh, meaningful than to try to protect the kids, especially the kids in our community. And uh, we got some people on, on uh, Facebook uh, chiming in too. So this podcast will be up probably first of next week. So you, you can hear the whole thing. Uh, great group of people. We're all waving, saying hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, And just uh, enjoying our time today But thank you very much Thank you for having us We'll have have a great time So what I do is usually I go Give a little ending and then when I say We're out so Gotta have everybody yell that So 239 Uncensored Everything Southwest Florida and beyond And we are out Please make sure to download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production. That was fun.